But one thing we do want to say is this, uh, this is a, kind of a message that we believe that needs to be talked about. The church has been silent on things of sexuality and things of that nature for so long. And I believe that what we need to do is we need to address some things because God addressed them, right? In his word, he addressed this idea of sex. He addressed this idea of, of sex before or sex before marriage. He also addressed it, sex within marriage and the container of marriage. And so uh, what we're going to talk about is it might be a little PG-13 um, from time to time because we want to be real. This is we're sitting down. And the reason we're sitting down is we want this to be kind of like a family time, right? We want this to be authentic and real, and we're going to share some of our story. Uh, yep, and uh, it's going to be amazing. And so we're going to. And so this idea, we want to make sure that there's a good time and space, and it's safe to talk about these things. Because if we're not willing to address things, um, who is? You know, because there are things that are secret in our life that we're not willing to address. And if we don't expose them because you kill the power of sin with transparency. So I want to encourage you, if you have some younger people in here, uh, parents, this is your discretion. If you want to uh, leave them in here or go to a programming. Um, yeah. And, One of the kids' programs. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do before we start, I want you to look at your neighbor and take a deep breath. And say relax. Yeah. Now look at your other neighbor. Take a deep breath. The one you neglected. And say relax. Relax. This is gonna. It's gonna be okay. For the next half an hour, we just ask that you give us uh, your attention because, like we have said multiple times, that we feel like this is a topic that the church has been silent on, and the Bible has lots to say about this topic. But the church is really, um, has church big C, yeah. uh, has kind of shied away from it because of culture. And if we are not willing to set the culture, like Todd said, who is going to? Right. Culture is going to define what our kids believe about sex, right. what we believe about sex. And that, in, the re in reality, sex has been defined by the culture and not the word of God. A lot of us are looking to the Kama Sutra and not this book to give us ideas on what healthy sex is like. And, and God's idea, God's idea was sex, okay? So, so it wasn't originated by whoever wrote the Kama Sutra. All right? It originated in this book. That's right. So if we are going to have what we call the, our series or our collection of talks called the best blank ever, if we're going to have the best sex ever, the healthiest relationships possible, we've got to go back to the origin. That's right. That's so good. So uh, although we were, we were talking about this, you guys want some humor? We're going to like have some humor laced in here because y'all are, I can already tell y'all are getting You can cut, cut the tension with a knife. That's it's like deep breath. We're everyone's sweating. Palms are sweating. Exercises. I'm getting tense up here. If anyone passes out, doing, come on. Yes, take a deep breath. But you know, this was so funny. We thought this was funny. As we were talking about how sex has been defined by the culture, um, the current culture, social media, the TV, all of that, internet, all of that stuff. We were literally studying uh, for this message yeah. together, and this pops up on Todd's phone. Can we show that screenshot? On the Trinity San Diego Instagram. Can y'all read that? You can't manufacture it this, says, people. Hot girl Lori wants oh, to send you a message. At 1.21 on Friday afternoon, we're like, we got to we're, screenshot we're, this. We're literally sitting and we're, we're, we're working on our message together because we, we haven't preached together in quite some time. Yeah. But that ends up coming up uh, on our on my screen. And, you know, I'm transparent with my wife. She can look at any device. But Fellas, she sent it to the church Instagram. She did send it to the church Instagram. <laughs> she sent it to the church Instagram, not even his. 
it was the weirdest thing. So then we open up the message and it's like, hey. Yeah. And, was, and he deletes it all fast, you know, and I'm like, we gotta show this. You shouldn't have deleted it so fast. Anyway. anyway, we just wanted to give you an actual instance of how sex has been defined by the culture. And uh, we're gonna expose this this morning. So, uh, but I really believe in John 8, 32. John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And uh, if you do not know the truth about what God says about this particular topic, you will not be able to live free. And the enemy uses this particular topic in churches and outside of churches, in our culture and in our community, to, to shame people because of their past, to, um, to shame people within their marriage so that they don't have a healthy relationship, a healthy sex life. And I am gonna, we're gonna speak the truth this morning right. because we want you to get free, but you won't know the truth if you, and you won't be free if you don't know the truth right. about what God says about a healthy sexual life and about a healthy sexual boundary. Right. So babe, would Let, you like to pray? Yeah, I would before we do. Let's greet our Facebook fam. Hey, Facebook fam. Come on. Let's pray. Uh, Father, be with us in this tense topic. God, release the pressure right now. God, we are, this is just family time. It's transparent. It's honest. It's truthful. But God, this is the way you intended it. And so we are not going to go and go any further without talking about things and addressing things in our life that need to be addressed. So God, be with us today. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight. We love you. And everyone said, amen. 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 Well, how many have ever uh, been to Ikea? Yeah, I'm starting a sex talk with Ikea. Um, well, I, I've been to Ikea. When we first were married, uh, what happened was my mom and dad said, I want to outfit you guys. I want to outfit you guys in your apartment because we didn't, you know, we, I had like Goodwill furniture, you know. I mean, like, let's just be honest. I was uh, balling on a budget. And so I had no money. And my folks were like, we're going to be generous. We'll give you this amount of money. You can go to Ikea and you can buy it. Well, the beauty of Ikea is what? You walk in there and everything, the whole, every room is put together. And you can go, I'll just buy this whole room. You know what I mean? Like, if you haven't been there, go there. Get their Swedish meatballs. It's amazing. Anyways, um, so what you do is you we, we would go to this Ikea, and we probably went, this was before we were married, probably 25 times. To, to, maybe, to, like, like, maybe like 15. I mean, like, it was ridiculous. So many hours I know, right? It's like overload. Like, okay. It's like overstimulating. Anyways, so I, I found all these rooms, and we collectively decided, and we're like, we're going to get this. Well, they shipped it to our house, and <laughs> they even have... You have to put the couch together, people. Like, not even like you, like, like, you actually have to put the arms on the couch. You have to put the legs on the, I mean, it's ridiculous. But the thing is, is being a male, um, I don't always look at the directions. And so what I would end up doing is I would go and I would uh, see the finished product of a wardrobe. And I'd go, I want that. Okay, well, I can do that. I'm handy so to speak, and I would go and I'd start to, and next thing I'd know, I'd, I'd have the thing up, but one thing that I would notice that I'd even, either have parts left over, um, I would, it might not be as sturdy, it might, there might be some issues or some challenges with it. One thing that I learned, and one thing I understand about that, is that God has given us a picture and a container for sex. He's given us an idea for sex, but what we've done, I think, as culture, what we've done is we've taken this container for sex and it's it's tainted because what we're doing is we're trying to see the things that have been done in movies and on social media and television and what we've been told and what we do is we is we're trying to look at the finished product over here but we forget the roadmap right here yeah, that's right 
And what we do is, is when we forget the roadmap and the container for what God has, the direction manual, when we forget the directions, what happens, and we just try to focus on the finished product, we're going to miss some things along the way, right? Right. The end product really won't look like what we originally intended, right. what we were going for, right. right? When we don't follow the instructions yeah. in the manual, like what you were saying. Absolutely. Um, I really think that it's important to talk about some statistics this morning before we go into really our message um, because it's so important to know the, the, the crucial components of why we're talking about this. And so um, I think that, do we have these up on, on the screens? And if you, if you guys, I would recommend just taking notes this morning because there's some things that we're going to yep. kind of move through quickly that you'll want to reflect back on. But 80% um, of adolescents find out about sex from their peers, from the internet, and from TV shows. Wow. Not from their parents, mm -hmm. not from the church, not even from sex education in the schools. 80%. That's a staggering statistic, right? Yeah. All the parents in the room say amen. Amen. You know, what, what, what in the heck is going on? Well, that's because of technology. It's because of social media. Um, and a lot of us in this room, all, we can probably go back to the first moment that we learned about this topic, right? Or it was... Um, maybe an unhealthy experience. You know, some, some people have been abused in this way as young children, and so that is your first memory of a, a sexual encounter. And so that can bring us into a place of shame and isolation, and it makes us, it taints our view of what sex is and how God designed it to be. Um, children ages 10 through 17, okay? Ages 10 through 17 we'll see 143 sexual images just this week on primetime television. Mm. We're not talking about one or two o'clock in the morning, guys. We're talking about four, five o'clock, seven o'clock, mm. primetime tele television. Our 10 to 17 year olds will see 143 sexual images. I don't know if that, I don't know if that bothers any of you, but that bothers yeah. me. That yeah. upsets me. Yeah. No more cable in our house. Hello. Nope, 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 nope. 50%. Laugh, people. Come on, be light. Uh -huh. We're going to have to keep doing the breath exercises, I think, throughout this. When I, when I, when I lay one of those down. Yeah. Um, 50%, here, here we go, 50% of all high school students have had a sexual experience by the time they leave high school. One out of two high school students have had a sexual experience before the time they leave high school. Okay, and actually that, stati that statistic is much higher in the African American community. So if we don't stand up and talk about this right. in the church, right. what is gonna happen is our kids, uh, our teenagers are going to uh, experience conversations in the locker room. They're gonna hear something that their peers tell them. They're gonna see an image on their phone or their iPad or whatever that they have access to. And what's gonna happen is, is they're gonna have this experience and they're not gonna know what to do with it. Right. They're, they're not gonna know how to process that kind of information because children are not meant to process this kind of thing this early on. And then what happens is, is when children try to bring those things up to the surface um, or they feel shame, when they experience something like this, they stay quiet. And the, the enemy's favorite 
playground is isolation. And when we feel shamed into being silent, we start isolating, okay? And so that's where he does his best work, is when we have gotten isolated, when we've put the mask on, and we pretend like nothing's wrong, like nothing's happening. And so if we don't stand up, we don't stand up, the church doesn't stand up and start talking about some of these things and starting encouraging people to take off the mask and step out of isolation into freedom, we are going to have a generation that is completely lost sexually uh, in every, every single way, right. sexual immorality, because we are not, nobody's talking about right. these things. Nobody's telling the truth. And the truth, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. 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 But sex was God's, God's idea originally, and we're going to go into that topic. But I was telling Todd this week, um, my my first memory of having this, this kind of encounter um, was in eighth grade. He's, it's gonna be great. Yeah, just wait, guys. You gotta laugh, okay? You gotta keep it light in here because you're about to find out. But I, I was going back through my memories because we can repress these memories because we don't really necessarily, we don't necessarily want to go back to these. But I remember the first time I had a peer come and say something of a sexual nature to me, and I had been so I had been in a Christian school from K through fifth grade. My parents actually took me out of school for sixth and seventh grade to homeschool me. So I was a little bit sheltered because those are those are pivotal ages, uh, sixth and seventh grade. So I was sheltered, homeschooled a little bit in um, sixth and seventh grade. And then they actually decided to put me back into school in eighth grade. And so I remember wanting to fit in, okay, because that's the age that I was in, and it's a, it's a crucial age. Um, instrumental age when we're talking about sexual identity because all of our hormones are you know going crazy and I remember this girl that I wanted to hang out with she was a popular girl and I remember her coming up to me um, from computer lab and she was like oh my gosh you will not believe what just happened in computer lab and like I'm reading her responses and I'm like what, you know, what happened? You know, I'm trying to engage this, you know, the drama in eighth grade. Okay, it's all drama. And so we're all just like, oh. So she goes, she says to me, she goes, Joe basically tells me he had an erection in the middle of computer lab. She did not use those words. I will let you decide what the slang was. Because we've got different generations in here. Every generation has a definition of what that slang is. However, she uses the slang term to describe, you know, part of a men's anatomy. What happens when men are aroused? And I was like, oh my goodness. But I didn't know anything about what she was talking about. I didn't know what it was. So I go home. So I go home and while my dad and mom are cooking dinner, I literally go into the kitchen and I'm like, Mom, Dad, what does mean? And then both of them literally stop everything that they're doing. And it's this. Like Derek. Deer in the I'm just going to slip away right here. You yeah. know I mean? <laughs> Literally, my, and then my dad, like, starts dying laughing, puts down the, the, the knife that he was cutting the carrots with, and literally walks out of the room. 
True story. This is what happened. I know our in-laws are I, watching it, or my in-laws are watching my it. My mom, my dad. We live in it for you. Come on. Yeah, they can probably tell you again what the slang is. You know, next time they're here, you can ask them. Anyway, so literally my dad walks out of the room, and my mom, and I'm like still just like, what is this? What did I say? You know, like, I'm like this innocent kid that was just like, what happened? You know? And so then my mom, you know, goes, and she, she sits me down, and she goes, well, honey... Well, she first went to her prayer closet to get the wisdom. I'm kidding. She probably, I'm joking. Okay, stop interrupting my story. I'm sorry. Anyway, so, so literally, she sits me down. She goes, honey, so when a boy is um, excited about something, sometimes this happens with boys in, in your grade. And um, so that's what that means. And I remember feeling appalled, okay? Girls... Y'all know what I'm talking about. You felt appalled. The first time you learned about what that was. Yeah. Oh, oh, everybody's lying. I know, right? <laughs> Take the mask off, people. Here. Better start taking the mask off, all right? Because I'm not going to be the only one up here telling my story. All right, come on. But the thing is, is, is that, uh, you know, that's a funny, lighthearted story, but it really is staggering, the statistics that we see. And uh, I believe that the church needs to change this concept and change this idea. Um, and what we're, you know, like I said often, what we're not willing to address will never change. Mm. And so if we're not willing to address the things, especially with our young people about sex, mm. we can't wait till they're in high school, in college, trying to talk about it. What we need to do is we need to be intentional with our own children about it. You know, at our house, we try to be mindful about saying it because we have younger children around. But as they so we actually use the word bacon. 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 We're talking talk about we say bacon yeah. just if you guys need a tip yeah so what we do is yeah and so but what we're going to do is is as our children age we're going to be intentional about talking about it because we want them to feel at ease to come and have community with us and talk about something that's so uh could that, that is so vital to our life because sex is really god's idea genesis 128 says it like this god bless them so here's adam and eve Okay, they're, they're now together. They have, the fall hasn't taken place, remember? The fall has not taken place. Here's God talking to Adam and Eve, and he says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. And the thing is, is God's idea was sex. God's idea was sex. It wasn't ours. It wasn't, but what the thing is, is that we have perverted, perverted it as a society. What God has created pure, what has happened is it has been perverted by society and culture because of what they say and what they talk about when God designed it specifically for us. Yeah. He's saying, Hey, you know what? You you're married. Go have sex. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, that's what he said. That was his first command. That, that was his Literally, first command. Literally, read it in the Bible. First thing he tells him to do is go have sex. But the thing is, is that is it's inside the container of marriage. Yeah. Okay. What happens is, is we had a lot of rain this week, right? Rain is blessing. Amen. Um, but we're ready for the sunshine to come back. Hello. Um, but, but, but what happens is rain outside of its container is destructive. I drove down Midland Road a few week, or last week with Katie and Lucas. We were driving down and guess what? All of a sudden, the, the water was overflowing onto the street, and it was destructive. The, there's more potholes today than there were last week this time because rain is destructive. But the thing is, is when water is contained inside the container, it's okay. Marriage or sex inside the container of marriage is okay. Sex outside of marriage is destructive. Yeah. So it has to be inside the container. And, and this whole idea of... 
um, of being joined, being, becoming one flesh. Uh, they use that uh, passage in Genesis 2.24. It says joined or united. You're not just joined physically. You're joined emotionally. You're joined spiritually. And it's through a covenant. Yeah. It's through a covenant. The, the thing is, is, sex is not a contract. We think marriage is a contract. We can get out by the word, by the word divorce. No, 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 no. No, marriage is a covenant before God and man. And when you have sex outside of marriage, it's like marrying the person without the covenant. Did I say that right? Yeah. So basically that scripture in Genesis 2.24, we don't have it up on the screens, but I recommend you looking it up because it says when a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to mm -hmm. his wife, he, there's also a, a translation that says united. Um, we usually take that as at face value, um, that scripture, that, that word joined. But what God was saying is there's, this, there's three parts uh, when you translate the word from the Hebrew. Uh, what, what God was meaning was that there is physical intimacy, yes. That's, that's one part of what happens when you join and you uh, have sex with somebody. There's emotional intimacy within your soul. That, that you are joining with, and then there's spiritual, there's a covenant, a covering. And the, the part of that that God was talking about, the spiritual covenant, is what, it is what makes sex pure. Right. Um, so, when, so what Todd was saying is that every time you have sex and you are not married to the person, you're kind of entering into this uh, soul-tied kind of relationship without that spiritual covering, without the purity of the covering yeah. and of the covenant. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you with us still? Yeah. You're taking notes? Yeah. So I want to talk sure. really quickly about soul ties, and I don't think that this topic is brought up enough in churches as well. But so a soul tie is when you are connected within your soul to another soul. And that happens through the act of physical intimacy. Right. And again, it's it's considered healthy and it's considered pleasurable and it's considered um, holy when it's done underneath the spiritual covenant of marriage. Right. But what happens is, ladies, I'm gonna talk to the ladies here really quickly. I'll talk to the fellas, so just bear with me. He's gonna talk to the fellas. But ladies, if you, if, now, I'll just, I'll just be really real. My story is that I was not a virgin when I got married, okay? So I, I uh, decided to make that decision before I was with Todd. So when you, when you decide to enter into a physical um, situation, a sexual situation with somebody that you are not married to, what happens in your soul starts connecting you to that person forever. And you don't understand why. Why can't I get over this guy? Why, what, it's been 10 years. Some of us in this room gave ourselves to another person that was not our husband or maybe who God designed us to be with forever. And now we can't understand why we can't get them out of our head. We can't get over them. Every, things that they have said to us keep coming back up to us. Some of us, that, that person that we gave it up to, if they walked into this room, you haven't seen them in 15, 20 years maybe, you would go nuts. You would tense up. If you saw that person start sweating, you know, because, because of a soul tie that is established within you when you make that decision. Right. Yeah. Um, and so those things have to be broken by prayer. Yeah. I believe it. I, I believe in the power of the cross. I believe in what Jesus did. And I believe that the blood covers all and those can be broken. But you've got you've to break those over your life and you've got to get set free. This is, this is the part where I'm talking the truth right, right now. Yeah. Yeah. This is the part where I'm saying you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right. If, you've, if you've made those also, what I want you to know is that God is not a God of condemnation. Right. Yes. Right. I have, I have, I have made lots of mistakes. 
particularly in this area. And my God is not a God of condemnation. Right, my God convicted me of my sin, but he loved me enough where I was at Come not on. to let to let me stay there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, yeah. and if you are in a in a situation right now where you are making decisions or you have made decisions and you're trying to get free from them, let me tell you something. You are going to be set free today. Come on. Yeah. Because our God loves you more than anything else that he sent his son to die and to shed his blood so that you don't have to live under a condemnation right. of your past. You don't have to live under sexual sin. You don't have to you don't have to. Right. Right. Everyone say freedom. freedom. Come on, you have freedom. And today we're going to pray for some people, right? We believe that there's deliverance and there's we're going to set free some people, God. And so whatever you've walked in here with, you don't have to stay chained to. Um, whether that's um, And you know what? One thing we do want to say is if you've done it right, good job. Keep doing it. Inside the container of marriage, if you have waited and done all the things, steps, the steps necessary, good job. Great job. Keep doing what you're doing, okay? And you know what? Mentor other couples that need help. Yeah. Mentor that's, other couples that need that's help. That's a good point because uh, I think to some of us, so we've been married for 15 years, 14, 15 years. I also don't remember our anniversary, okay? It'll be 14 this July 30th. We've been pure, and um, we've been in, um, obviously, we've had sex within the container of our marriage now for 14 years, um, but uh, some of us in this room have been living um, the way that God asked us to live, and it's easy sometimes for us to forget what he saved us from, right. too, yeah. and when you forget what you have been set free from, you can start judging other people yep. uh, on their current situation, and so I just want to uh, give a cause of warning Maybe you're in that season of your life where you're like, I have been doing everything right, and nice I see you, and you shouldn't be doing that, and all that stuff. We're all, we're all, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, Amen. Amen. Every sin, every sin, okay? It's all there at the foot of the cross. So whatever it is. But I want to talk quickly to the ladies on a singles perspective and what culture says. Really quickly, if you have a pen, if you want to write this down, here's some lies that culture tells us and how sex has been defined by the culture. This is particularly if you are a single lady. Guys like girls that give it up. Have you heard that one? Yeah. yeah? Uh, you're unwanted if you're a prude. If you don't put out, you are not worthy of being pursued. Do what feels right. I do what feels right. Oh, I love him. I love him. He's my soulmate. Um, but I'll lose him if I don't. I'll lose him. I'll, I'll lose that attention and affection. Everybody else is doing it. Everyone else is. Why not me? Uh, I'm an independent woman. I got mine. Let me just tell you something. If, if you have that mindset, ladies, um, the feminazi thing, all right, I'm going to just say it real. Um, if you think that you can sleep around just because men have done it in the past, um, that is a cry for help. Yeah. And people mm -hmm. who are old enough to see that notice that that is coming from a very insecure place. There, there is a way that you can be secure and you can be confident as a woman in Christ right. where you don't have to express yourself sexually with a bunch of different partners right. because you're independent. Right. Right. And you feel, you feel the need to express your your femininity or whatever and how powerful you are as a woman. You can be powerful. Right. I'm a strong woman. Right. But I've got a strong man yep. that is constantly covering me in authority, and I know how to submit to him. But that doesn't mean he, that doesn't mean I'm I'm a, a doormat. Right, right, right. 
It's really quiet in here. <laughs> Pastor Bob and Claudia, would you like to take over? Why don't y'all come up here? What I want to say about purity is uh, purity is not a destination. Purity is a decision. It's an everyday decision. Some of us are trying to get on the road to purity, and we're trying to get to the destination of purity where we're finally feeling like we're cleaned up. And, uh, you know, we can say we're pure vessels. Let me tell you something. It's a daily decision. Right. It's not a destination. Right. Uh, what you, this is one thing, too, I want to say to women um, about when you chase sex. You see, when I was a single girl, I, I actually had lots of boyfriends. Um, and I never went without having a boyfriend. Um, and usually within those relationships, I went too far sexually. Um, not because I wanted to, but because I believe some of those cultural lies up there. Mm, yeah. That mm. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't have a date on Friday night mm. if um, I didn't put out. Or that I wasn't worthy of being wanted if I didn't give them something that they wanted or that would satisfy them. Mm. And um, that's the biggest mistake that I made. And uh, I think that that goes back to what we believe about our value. Mm. That goes back to us not really believing that we're worth being mm. pursued. Mm. That our purity is something to be coveted, actually, by, by somebody. That, that, that holding on to something uh, that it, like our virginity or something that is so valuable that God sees as so pure, um, that we would just maybe hand that off and give that away. I think that says a lot about what we believe about our value, and I think that that is an epidemic, particularly in girls um, these days, that girls will flaunt themselves and throw themselves at boys to feel a level of um, love and security. Um, but what you believe about your value or what you, uh, yeah, what you believe about your value will determine what you allow to happen in your life. I want you to write that down. What you believe about your value will determine what you allow. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm talking to the ladies in here because I, I, I want you to, I want to call you up. Right. Love doesn't call out, it calls up. Right. Good. Say, good. So I'm calling you up higher because you are worthy. Right. You are a child of the most high God. Amen. You are a daughter of the king Amen. and you do not need to be putting out, you do not need to be giving yourself in sexual experiences outside the covenant of marriage because you are worth it. Right. Because mm -hmm. he died for you. Right. Yeah. And because he sees you as invaluable. And right. what you carry inside of you is invaluable. And when we allow somebody into our sexual space without being covered by that spiritual covenant, we are we are tainting yeah. what God yeah. has put inside of us. Right. Right. And there is a generation of girls that is waiting for women to rise up and say, no, yeah. right. no, you cannot have this. Right. You cannot have this for free. Right. You got to put a ring on it. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. All right. All right. Let's keep going. First Corinthians 6.11 says, that's what you, some of you were, but you were washed you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. That word sanctified. Paul was talking to women and men in the Corinthian church. And he was saying, some of you were making these decisions, sexual decisions, poor decisions, but you were sanctified. So if there is anybody in this room, any woman in this room that has said, I believe in Jesus. I believe that what he did for me was uh, enough, right. that the grace that he offers me is enough. I, you are being sanctified, right. which means you are now set apart for a sacred purpose, right. that there is something bigger that is 
working itself out in this course of your life, in the journey of your life. Right. So we need to get our value from that scripture. Right. Right. Write that scripture down. If you struggle with knowing your worth and your value, write that scripture down. Because you are being sanctified and set apart for something that's bigger and that's outside of you. Here's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 21. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. And ladies, this is for you. When you are tempted or insecure... Psalm 46, 5 says, God is within her and she will not fall. Mm. God will help her at the break of day. Ladies, some of you need to put that on a little screenshot and make it your little wallpaper on your cell phone, okay? So that when you are tempted uh, to go into that relationship and to go further than what you'd like to go, go, or if you are insecure about who you are, Psalm 46, 5, okay? Anchor yourself in that. God bought us at a high price by sending his son. And so, um, you know, we got to, what I really believe, and it's rocked my world, that is Jesus getting what he paid for. Yeah. Is he getting the life worthy that he paid for? That's he laid good. his life down. Is he, getting a, is he getting what he paid for with my own life? Right. I want to live a life. And fellas, we have to live a life. And God has called us to be the heads of the household. That doesn't mean I'm over her. or That just means I'm an authority. But when I think about her needs and she thinks about my needs, both needs are taken care of. Yeah. So often in relationships, I'm selfish and I'm thinking about me and she's thinking about her. And then we wonder why we have conflict. Yeah. So when we think about one another... Greater things take place. And so um, one thing, I'm going to talk to the fellas. Give me a grunt, fellas, just so I know you're with me. Good, good. we got to work on the grunt a little better. Uh, anyways. That felt more like a roar. Okay, well, we're lying. Hear me roar. Anyways, uh, anyways, but there are some lies that culture has created for us, too. And I'm going to address those. And uh, one of those is, is masculinity, that you're more masculine if you have sex. Honestly, like, like, you know, like the machismo, like the locker room type. Oh, I'm more, you know, like I've been in locker rooms. Trust me. I hear the things that have been said. Um, you're more masculine if you do. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe you. The fear of not knowing how. Every man, you know, on men's health, you walk by the, uh, the, the um, what do you call it, the, the checkout line, and you look, and there's all these, all these magazines for men and women about sex and how to know how to have sex. Well, guys... Inside the container of marriage, it's right. And you're going to figure it out together because hopefully when you love each other that you're going to recognize flaws and you're going to recognize the good things about it. And so uh, the fear of not knowing how. You need experience. I need experience. Good grief. Um, less of a, I'm less of a man if I haven't had sex. Let me tell you this. I was a virgin when I got married. Yep. And um, I waited. And one thing I would say to this is that for me, in my experience, what I found is that ladies actually thought I was more of a man by actually being able to say no yeah. than actually going and, and being uh, being experienced, for lack of a better term. People would go and they go, "Oh, well, you're you know you're that's really admirable because you can make a decision and you can say no." Women like a like a man that can say no from time to time, right? Yeah. right. Amen. Anyways, uh, the other one, you're supposed to do it. That's just what you're supposed to. The culture says, oh, you're supposed to have sex. You're supposed to know. Uh, the, this one, the lie of culture. I can't control my desire. Well, I have this desire. I can't control it. 
God doesn't desire, God desires, he created sex, but he wants you to, he wants you to control it in the aspect so that when you come to the marriage bed, that it's pure and it's holy and it's right. It's the way that he created it. The reason you can't control your desires is because you fed your desire. Yeah. You fed it. Yeah. Last, uh, I, I have needs. You know, the lady said, the guy said, I have needs. Um, there's that statistic. She put that up there, Calvin. It says, uh, I think about sex every seven seconds or 8,000 times a day. That's the statistic that culture says. How are you working? How are you eating? How are you sleeping, people, if that's the truth? Honestly, when you really think about that, that's, that's a lie that culture says. And what that does is that actually puts the identity of sex onto males, and that's meant that we're supposed to live up to that. When, when God's saying, no, be a spiritual being, trust in me, put my desires or put your desires back on me. Because oftentimes we try to curb natural desire or natural desires. We need to actually curb them in a spiritual way, not a physical way. I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, and then the last one is uh, no self-control. We have no self-control because culture says you have needs. You need to go and fulfill that desire. But the enemy desires that anything God calls good is he wants to corrupt it. God, call, I mean, think about the good things that God has, has given us that the enemy has tried to corrupt. And, 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 and John 10.10 10 says it like this. The thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. And I, so this is Jesus talking, I have come that uh, you have life and have it in full. And the enemy only comes and steals and, and, and kills and destroys what we allow him to come in and take. And I think that what we've done is we've, as men, we've allowed the enemy into our, the, 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 the sex life of who we are. And what we've done is we've allowed him in. And so we wonder why he's stealing. We wonder why he's killing. We wonder why he's destroying relationships based upon the things that we've looked at, based upon the past experiences. He wonder, we wonder about that. It's, you know, and then what we do is we kind of let it go here and there. Uh, we we kind of like we let the enemy into these places that he shouldn't be. You know, we, we go, oh, that one picture, it's not going to bother anybody. I have needs. Oh, I, you know, like it's funny. Katie talked about isolation. Well, isn't it interesting that when you're in isolation as a man, that what ends up happening is you go and you look at images and you just, it starts with an inch. Oh, it was just that image. Oh, I will never do that again. You know, you, like you do it, you look at the image and then you feel so guilty and then you run away and you go, I did that. I, I, I got to make it right. I got I to gotta do the right thing. I got to figure this out. No, no, no. What we have to do is we have to make sure that we're kill, killing the power of sin with transparency. Mm -hmm. That we're getting honest. Yeah. We're getting real. Yeah. And we're taking the mask off. That's the reason connect groups are so important is right. that when... Fellas, when you're struggling, you can sit down and take the mask off and say, I've had this challenge. I've had this issue. I've, I've uh, allowed the enemy to tempt me in this way because it starts with one image. Then it starts with one text. And then it starts with one phone call. And then we get to the depths of sin and we're wondering why. Why in the world is my life spiraling out of control? Because we let the enemy take an inch and actually he's, took, he's taken a whole mile of our life and now we're trying to rebuild it. I'm preaching better than you're responding oh, today. Yeah. But I believe that we have uh, a calling as the church to not let culture affect us, but we affect the culture. That's good. Yeah. We need to go and be men and we need to rise up and say, I'm not going to stand up for that. I'm going to link together with my brother and I'm going to say, when you're walking through something that's challenging, I'm with you. Whatever you're walking through, brother, I'm with you. I'm here for you. If you need to, I've had an instance where I had a, I had a friend.
that was struggling with porn. And what did he do? He said, be my accountability partner. There's this thing on your an app on a phone that's called Triple X Church. And basically, they'll, you have accountability partners that anytime you search something that on your phone, this is technology, people. We're going to use it to our advantage. And when there is an instance where you search something that was that's off or that is, is porn related, what happens is your accountability group is sent text messages so that you can reach out to them and say, hey, are you okay? And I think that we need, as the church, need to affect culture in that way. And so how do we do that? First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4 says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. There's that word again, set apart, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in the way that is holy and honorable. And friends, God desires that when we have self-control before marriage, it will lead to self-control during marriage. Amen. And when you can be self-controlled before, you can say no before, you can go and make sure that you get a flip phone because you've been looking at too many images. What you can do is you can get away from that and you can say no so that when you're inside the marriage covenant that you have boundaries. Because boundaries equal blessing like I preached on last week. And so, so many times we wonder why the bi or we wonder why our relationships are not intact when we aren't even looking at the roadmap to begin with. Fellas, you've got to get in the word. That's the greatest way where you can understand. And I know that when I get in my Bible every day, I make it a priority to get in my Bible every day so that, so that one, my relationship with God can be better, but two, my relationship with my wife can be better because I'm in the co covenant and the contract of marriage. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commit are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And we are actually hurting ourselves when we are... When we are, are looking and doing things outside the confines of marriage. And so often we let corrupt culture define what God has designed. I'm going to say that again because some of you need to write that down. We let corrupt culture define what God originally designed. And God originally designed sex. Yeah. So how many of you are ready to talk about marriage? <laughs> sex within the we confines gotta hurry. of marriage. I know. We're, we're running out of time. I thank you for being a little patient with us. Today, we could actually do a whole series on this topic. Um, so we're trying to fit a whole lot of stuff in into one little service. So, um, And we might do a series on it. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, Would you I like a series on it? Yeah. yeah. Come on. There's like four people. So we'll it's like Mickey in the back waving flag. <laughs> we'll see at the end of it how everyone feels about it. Uh, but here's what culture says. I think that we can have a, a, a perspective when we're single and listen to lies that culture say when we're single, but there are also things within marriage um, where, that we can believe um, about sex that I think are false. Um, one, one of, I just thought I'd list three, uh, just from my own personal experience and my own perspective. Number one is I'm a full-time mom, I am a full-time pastor, I'm a full-time wife, and I'm tired at night, and I don't really feel like doing it all the time. <laughs> How's that for truth? <laughs> and every yep. single woman in here that's being quiet, that acts like you don't know what I'm talking about, y'all are with y'all. You're in church. The sisterhood is weak, y'all. <laughs> Some of y'all better start talking. Oh, all right, hey. get back to me. Are you kidding? There you go. I got one right here. But really, like reality, reality. You know, some of us have really busy schedules, busy lives, and um, we can use those things as excuses not to serve our husband. Mm. And I do, I do that regularly. 
okay? And that is something that I have to constantly fight against, letting Scary Mommy on Instagram define, you know, like, what's a, what's normal. Do you guys know what Scary Mommy is? Yeah. Okay, all right, well, you should look it up on Instagram. <laughs> it's funny, and it's it's all kind of, like, sarcastic, but I'm not, I'm not endorsing it as truth, okay? It's just entertaining. Uh, anyway, number two, number two cultural lie within marriage. Um, my husband doesn't satisfy me. It's not, it's not, uh... Remember, that's culture, people. Okay, he's <laughs> like, he wants to set the record straight. <laughs> it took him a second, they were like, what? <laughs> oh, it's way too tense in here. Don't, I know, we gotta have a little humor, people. But sometimes we, we believe that, and we say, oh, ladies, you know, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this, because it's not satisfying, it's not fulfilling, and, um... Uh, I think, unfortunately, um, that can be true. But ladies, let's just be honest. Okay, it takes some practice to learn how to do it within the con confines of marriage. There are preconceptions and misconceptions, too, about what sex should be. Um, I think women particularly do this. We, we romanticize what sex should be. Um, and then you have your wedding night. Or, you know, and do you guys want to hear a real story? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have time for it? Maybe we should yeah. just skip yeah, yeah. You, you want to hear the real story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our wedding night. Okay? All right, yeah, I'm going there. Our wedding night. You know, you plan We're the taking wedding. off the mask. We are taking off the mask. You guys we are, are modeling. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Love you. Um, so our wedding night was uh, interesting, right? Because we... <laughs> Come on! Come on! Come on! I'm speechless. <laughs> and red. You match your shirt, baby. Okay. Anyway, we planned the whole wedding. You know, you know anybody who's been married, um, you plan the dress, you plan, you plan the ceremony, but the wedding night's in the back of the in your mind, you know? And when you have a bridal shower, your girlfriends are, are hooking you up with some nice lingerie uh, with intent that you pick one of those and use it on the wedding night. And so, um, same for us, all right? Same for us. I had a whole outfit. Pastors are people too. Come Pastors on. are people too. That should be a hashtag. Yeah. Um, we had had it all planned out. Um, I had, and you know, we didn't really talk about it, but I had planned an outfit. I planned to have um, sparkling cider and um, chocolate-covered strawberries um, in the room. We actually got a room with a jacuzzi tub, had bubble bath, like the whole deal, right? Um, planned out the whole night. And so... Um, I've been waiting a long time, people. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make it real special. I'm trying to make it real special. Yeah. 24 years. Come on. <laughs> So I get, you know, we get to the hotel and, and we took a bath and um, I know y'all are starting to sweat probably because you're like, oh, I'm starting God. to sweat. What are they going to say? Uh, so, we, so we go through, you know, the bath and, or we, you know, like you anticipate what's going to happen next. And so I put the outfit on and, you know, everything kind of started and about 30 seconds into it, both, are like, both of us are like, what is this going to be over? Like, this is awful, you know? It was just awful the first time. You guys can laugh, it's okay, it's funny. It's meant to be funny. It was awful the first time for both of us. And we're like, can we just get this over with? You know, like, it, it, so here's the deal. Here's, it got better. It got better. I have to, I have to finish the story. The end of the story is, is that we've been married for 
14 years, and yeah. it takes practice, hey, come on. ladies, okay? Some of us have misconceptions. What happened was is I had a misconception about the way that the wedding night was supposed to go, and so did he. And culture tells you that you're supposed to be thrown up against the wall, and it's all supposed to be hot and steamy up on the kitchen countertop and all that stuff, whatever culture says that's good sex, all right? What? Let's get to the Bible. <laughs> She did. You kind of went there. Oh. She blacked out, people. <laughs> so it's safe to say the first night wasn't it? Well, it wasn't great. And you expect it to be. And we both did. Yeah, you have false point. expectations. Here's well. the deal, though, is that women, um, wives, uh, for you to have a healthy sex life, you do have to keep trying, okay? Like, don't give up, first right. of all. Um, number two, uh, some of us have to experience the death to self thing. Right. Um, mm. Because the reality is, is that I, I had very selfish expectations um, when I walked into the marriage, and sometimes still do. Um, sometimes I do go home at night and I'm just like, I'm tired and I'm not doing this. I'm sorry. And, and that's just the way that it is for, for mama. Um, but, and a lot of mamas in the room can understand, but what I have had to do over the course of my life is understand that, um, I'm, I, I am not my own. First of all, I am God's, the Bible says that you were bought at a price, but the Bible also talks very openly about how I am his. And there's not a, it's not a weird possessive ownership thing, but my, my body actually belongs to him and his to me. And it is actually part of my role and responsibility as a wife to um, serve him when I don't feel like it. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 7, it actually talks specifically about this. And I love the Passion Translation. It says, now for my response concerning the issues you've asked me to address. Um, Paul saying, you wrote saying it is proper for a man to live in celibacy. And he's saying, perhaps, but because of the danger of immorality, each husband should have sexual intimacy with his wife, and each wife should have sexual intimacy with her husband. A husband has the responsibility of meeting the sexual needs of his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. Neither the husband nor the wife have exclusive rights to their own bodies, but those rights are to be surrendered to the other. So don't continue to refuse your spouse those rights, except perhaps by mutual agreement for a specified time, so that you can both be devoted to prayer. And then you should resume your phys physical pleasure so that the adversary cannot take advantage of you because of the desires of your body. The adversary is always coming to thwart what God has tried to bring together. He's always coming to try to divide what God has brought together. There's a scripture that says, let no man uh, divide what God has put together. And so there's something really specific in here that the enemy will try to, tr to try to drive a wedge between you and the most important relationship in your life, your husband or your wife. In Romans 12, 2, we'll put that up there. If you just want to write this down because we don't have, we're running out of time. But Romans 12, 2 just says, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture. Romans 12, 2, don't imitate the ideals of the culture. Don't let culture define what is right and pure for your life. Let the Bible define it. In Song of Solomon, this is one thing I want to say about women who, um, or wives particularly, that say they're not fulfilled um, or satisfied by, the, by their husband, and they don't think that that's in the Bible, <laughs> women being satisfied, and that's actually um, another lie. Uh, in, the song, in Song of Solomon, that entire book is about romance. And that's why women love that book because um, we are we are stimulated in our minds first, right before our bodies. Men are stimulated physically um, and visually, um, but we we need the storyline 
We need, we need to know the context. We need to know the details of the story to be romance. And the book of Song of Solomon is actually a book about genuine, pure, true love between a husband and a wife. So if you go and you read the first four chapters, it's all about this back and forth between Solomon and his wife. But, um, but um, in, in Song of Solomon 5.1, um, I'll read it quickly. It says, this is, this is Solomon speaking about his wife. I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine and my milk. You see, after, at the end of their time together, they had already been together. They had already consummated their marriage. I need that. Sorry. Uh, they have... <laughs> They have already consummated their marriage, and now this is where, where they're fully satisfied. Solomon is basically saying here that he is fully satisfied. He and, their, he and his wife were full, um, not of lust, but of love. Mm. Yeah. That's the difference yeah. between what culture tells us and what the Bible tells us, mm. is that they were completely satisfied within each other because of love. Mm. And unfortunately, lust always needs more. Lust always says, I need more. It's not enough. And it's this insatiable hookup culture that has been created that is now corrupting what our idea of sex is. You know, our first, if our first sexual experience was negative, that is what we take with us. That is what we expect in every relationship that we are in. And so we are trying to reverse this. And what I want every woman in this room to know is that God's design is for you to be satisfied with your husband. That's God's design. Don't let culture tell you that it's got to be, you know, um, somebody else. It's got to be, you know, a bodybuilder or whoever. <laughs> Whatever you think is hot, okay? Hey, come on. Okay, so right. uh, I'm going to speed through this because I want to make sure that we get through the content because we talked to ladies. Now I want to talk to the men. Uh, but it says, the lives of culture uh, for a married man. Uh, my wife owes me. You know, I work hard. I have needs. I do my thing. My wife owes that to me. Uh, if you do this, uh, if, you, if you don't do this, something's wrong. Uh, I believe that, that there's nothing wrong sometimes if you don't have sex. I know couples that have actually have abstained from sex for a period of time that were married in order to reconnect physically at a deeper level. That they've, they've decided that we're going to abstain for a certain amount of time so that they can, when they come together, there's a, there's a different level of connectivity. Uh, if you aren't good, she'll look elsewhere. Um, that's a misnomer of culture about married men. Uh, look, but don't touch. That's a that's a porn thing. They, oh, I have needs. I'm not. You know, I'm looking. I'm looking at the menu, but I'm not ordering. You know, that whole thing. Like that's not the way that we that we can operate as as, as men and as as men of God and men of valor. Uh, Matthew five eighteen says, "But I tell you that anyone looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart." So, guys, it matters what we look at what we look at because the eyes are the gates to the mind yeah. and when you allow these things to be the gates to the mind what ends up happening is when you uh go into marriage and you're in marriage and you're looking through things and at things that are not uh uplifting or not pure what happens then is your view inside of sex in marriage is tainted and what you do is you put false expectations on somebody else, on especially the person that you should love the most. And so you have to be mindful about what enters your mind because what enters your mind, then you will actually live out. We want to be mindful as men. And, and, and I, I think that inside culture, you know, that's some pretty crazy things. That there, there, there are some troubling things that culture puts on us. But I believe um, that God has a design inside the container for marriage that we are supposed to live up. You know, um, uh, I like In-N-Out Burger, right? 
Yeah. You like In-N-Out Burger? If you've only had In-N-Out Burger and you've never had Habit, you've never had Five Guys, you've never had all these other burgers, guess what? You have one expectation. But what happens is when you're going all around and you're doing all these other things and you, you're, you're kind of going all around and you have all these other experiences, especially when you're looking at things, guess what? You do not have the purity of the original thing. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God decides... For, desires for us to be pure within marriage. But, but the thing is, is oftentimes we face uh, natural desires in a natural way. When I'm hungry, I eat, right? Yeah. When I'm hungry, I eat. So that's what we try to do within our sexual nature is that, oh, I'm horny, so guess what? I got to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Honestly. Mm -hmm. that's, that, that's truth. That's honest. That's truth. So we say those things when really that's not the design that God has for us at all. What we need to do is, is not suppress the desire because God, God put that desire in us. Is What we need to do is control it. Is We need to manage it. We need to say no. We need to have a prayer life, people. Right. That when I'm yeah. sitting there and there's something going on inside my body that is not of God, guess what? I get on my knees and I say, God, I need you in this moment. I'm a weak man. I need you right now. You get authentic and real. Uh, uh, Katie said this um, right here in 1 Corinthians 6.19. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. Friends, our bodies were made from God for God. Yeah. And fellas, we got we to gotta get better because there's a, a, there's a whole uh, population of women that need us to be leaders, yeah. that don't need us to be lookers, but need us to be yeah. leaders. We need to look at some right things that are that, that are inside this word. We don't need to look at anything else but this, and we need to be accountable to one another, and we need to lean on one another. we we got to say that we're brothers together, doing yeah. this together, because we need unity inside of community. Worship team, come on up and join us. Um, We've been a lot. We've been way Sorry, too long. Sorry, we took so long no, this morning. Yeah. Oh, Thank you. Thank you. Woo. Thank you. One thing that I want to say as we close is that, um, you know, there may be a level of um, guilt uh, and condemnation in regards to our past um, this morning. Sexual sin, um, maybe early on experiences um, have defined uh, who we are in this way. And what I want to tell you is that God redeems and he restores any purity, anything that was stolen from you as a child, anything that you maybe have given away that you feel guilty about right now. God wants to redeem that and he wants to restore that. He wants you to have the healthiest relationships possible within the context of marriage. And he wants you to enjoy what he has designed. He has designed sex. So if we could all stand together, um, we are actually going to take just a moment uh, a time of prayer where we're gonna we're gonna pray for people, and um, this is not something uh, to be ashamed of. Right. First of all, asking for prayer, all it does is uh, mag it's a magnet for God's power to come work in your life.